Five, five, four, four, three, three, two, one, one. When I had come down this hill, I had seen this creature cross the road. It would have ripped my locked door from my truck, extracted me from my vehicle, and there wouldn't have been a damn thing I could have done about it. This thing, I got to notice in its eyes. Its eyes was real, real evil, real sinister looking. Look, it was given. Sasquatch Chronicles, a place where people share their encounters. Let's start the show. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for being here tonight. Hope your week's gone well. Thank you for being here tonight to uh, listen to the show. If you've had an encounter, shoot me an email. My email address is wes at sasquatchronicles.com. Uh, along with your contact information, I'd love to talk with you about your encounter, and I'd love to uh, have you on the show. Tonight's going to be an interesting night. You know, it's one of those... A lot of people who've had encounters go through very tough times. They go through, it's kind of an emotional experience for people. Uh, and it does affect people certain ways. Uh, most people who've had encounters, it, it definitely does affect them. And tonight's no different. You know, I'm going to be having David on here shortly. But I want the audience to imagine for a moment, you're out. I don't know if you've ever gone out target practicing or, you know, if you've ever used any firearms. But imagine for a moment you go out to do some target shooting and you get surrounded by uh, something that supposedly doesn't exist. And they're growling, they're throwing things at you. It sounds like something out of a movie. It sounds like something from TV. But this is definitely reality. People run into these creatures out there and it's witnesses like David that are willing to come forward and and share their encounter. Uh, So let's get to it this evening. David, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for coming on and and sharing your encounter. I know I know it wasn't the easiest thing in the world to do, but thank you for being here. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on the show. And if you would kind of start from the beginning, what I know it was you and your cousin. Start from the very beginning. Tell us what you were out doing, and then just walk us right into the encounter, if you don't mind. Well, me and him, uh, we're going to go out bow hunting. And uh, this was in February, you know, we didn't know too much about hunting out here and ended up, ended up being out of season. So, uh, 
we ended up taking the rifles and we're like, you know, let's just go out shooting and knowing me, you know, and everybody that knows me, you know, I carry, you know, at least 500 rounds of ammo on me, you know, when I go out shooting, if I'm going to go out for a weekend, I'm going to take advantage of all of it. You know, I'm going to carry, you know, my ammo packs and all my mags with me, you know, I don't, I don't mess around. And he brought his 12 gauge and what, at least a couple hundred rounds. And uh, he he didn't bring as much as me, but he had brought quite a bit. We uh, headed up from my property about, I would say, six miles down this old trail. Took it down and we stopped. Uh, took out some some uh, snowmobiles. Took him down another trail. Went down to this clearing, about a twenty by thirty clearing, and then uh, got out set up camp started up a fire it was oh it was cold this was probably about in the afternoon about two thirty, three o'clock started up fire got some food in us started shooting and about five o'clock rolled around and uh my cousin's shooting a shotgun at these targets and i'm sitting there in prone position i'm shooting an ar-15 and all of a sudden a rock hits him in the back about the size of a matchbox car he turns around, looks to the ground, looks around, doesn't see anything. He says, hey, are you messing with me? I'm like, what am I messing you with? I'm shooting with you. I'm like, what happened? And he's like, well, somebody's throwing a rock at my back. And I'm like, you're kidding me. And I'm like, you know, it's probably, you know, it's probably just your imagination. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden we start smelling something real, like, bad, you know, like garbage. You know, somebody rolled around in garbage and you know, threw it all over the campsite. It just smelled horrible. And I'm thinking, you know, it's probably a bear. Uh, let's go check it out and see what it is. You know, maybe we can get a couple pictures of a bear or, you know, maybe some animals out there. So we head into the uh, wooded areas, real foresties, pretty cold. And uh took us about 20 minutes to get in. Started rolling around 6.30. About that time, it was getting pretty dark. And I turned on, we both turned on our lights on our guns, started moving in. And uh, all of a sudden, we just standing there and still smelling it. And I'm hearing this, like, roaring sound to my left. And I'm like, what is that? I'm like, you know, mountain lion don't sound like that. And he's like, I don't know what it is. You know, so we're looking, we're looking. All of a sudden, I take my rifle. I go into scope in about 70 yards down. And there it is, seven foot. Looks almost like uh, somebody wearing a ghillie suit. Um, mop, with a mopped head and I'm looking up going up the feet and he's sitting in the clear in a little bit of a clearing with some uh, trees around him but you can still see him clear as day he's a little bit a little bit of forest around him but wasn't much he's kind of standing on a little bit of a slope I went up this hill and I look at the face and my eyes just gleamed at it it had the face of uh, like a planet of the apes and nose was all pushed in. The eyes were beating on me. Teeth is flashing his teeth, and it, it looked it looked pissed. It looked like it was not fucking around. Excuse my language. I'm sorry. Um, but it's I looked down at his hands, and his hands were twitching. It, it looked pissed. It looked like it wanted to fight. And all of a sudden, he turned around behind us. Uh, my cousin turned around and he said, I'm hearing it again. It's coming from behind us. And I could hear it too. And he was screaming from behind us. He's flashing his light and he's seeing glimpses of uh, 
more of these things just covered in fur. It looked like they hadn't showered in days. They were probably about 30 yards away from us. So he starts blasting at them. Now, and being that far, I'm, I'm guessing he had to have missed a little bit seeing that, you know, he was blasting in all directions, freaking out, screaming like, you know, we need to get out of here. And um, I, we switch weapons. He looks at it and he's like, you know, we, we definitely need to get out of here. This is not a place that we need to be right now. And let me ask you, so what what was your opinion of Sasquatch, Bigfoot, this whole topic prior to all of this? Well, I didn't believe, you know, he, you know, when we would go on hunting trips before, you know, we were out shooting or whatever, you know, he'd, he'd bring it up around the campfire and be like, oh, you know, ever heard of Bigfoot or this and that? And I'm like, I don't, I don't believe in that. You know, there's no such thing. You know, that's actually like the you know, the tooth fairy or, you know, Santa Claus, you know, it doesn't exist. And that night it changed my life forever when I'd seen that thing's face and seen its fingers twitching and the muscles and hairs on it. Can you describe the face? Can you describe what you actually saw? Well, the face looked like, uh, looked like movie Planet of the Apes, except, uh, the teeth. Teeth were just all, you know, look like, you know, somebody hadn't brushed their teeth in two years, and they were all like, you know, you could see like elongated teeth, real sharp. Um, the eyes just beady. You know, I couldn't tell if they were bloodshot or not. Scope can only see so much. The body itself, it just had to have been seven foot. You know, this thing, even being on that slope, it was about like you know two thirds of the way up this of a couple trees. Was the creature vocalizing at you? It was vocalizing at us with, like, extreme, extreme, like, volume in its voice. Like, it was just growling and screaming. Like, I, it, it sounded like, it almost sounded like, um, you ever seen the movie The Poltergeist? You mix that with, like, uh, like a lion roar. So let me, let me ask you, so you're sitting there... You're, you guys are looking at this thing. It looks pissed. It's showing its teeth to you guys. And, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, it's a monster sitting there looking at you guys. You guys are thinking at any moment, well, and I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong in any of this, but uh, you guys are thinking this thing's going to, at any moment, it's going to it's gonna be a fight here shortly. And then you said there was other ones around you that kind of exploded? Yeah, they exploded right after he exploded. And, you know, my... You know, they started exploding and screaming, and he started just blasting in all directions, thinking, you know, like, it was, you know, lions until he actually saw whatever it was. You know, I had seen it when we switched weapons, but, you know, they were screaming and shaking trees, and we could just see, like, as the weapon moved across from left to right, you could see glimpses of them. And and one part I wanted to ask you about the story, I know when you and I originally talked to you, you talked about snowmobiles. Did you guys ride in with snowmobiles? Yeah, we rode in uh, down this trail. It was uh, about a foot of snow, and it was just too hard to get the truck through. You, you'd have to gun it pretty bad, you know. You'd have to gun it in four-wheel drive and run that four-wheel drive yeah. all the way out through that truck to get through that trail. So we took snowmobiles there. Yeah, and I've been in situations like that before. So you see, you guys see this thing. Other ones are around shaking brushes, screaming at you guys. What What happens next? Well... After that, after he had seen it, we bolted. He, you know, started uh, backing up slowly and shooting off rounds up in the air. And 
I'm still sitting there, you know, kind of frozen looking at it, you know, and all of a sudden I looked behind me and there's more of them and they're getting a little bit closer, a little bit closer. And he said, he turns to me and he's like, you know, we need to get out of here. He starts running down the trail. I run after him. Um, I'll stop, you know, I stopped every, you know, 30 or 40 feet and shot off a couple bursts of uh, 223 uh, rounds out of my AR just at whatever I could see. But I, I can only see glimpses of them. And that one that uh, we saw, just it had to have taken off as I sat there and looked at it, looked back, and it wasn't there again. So I'm guessing it must have ran across around the slope to try to cut us off. But, you know, we weren't going to wait and stay, you know, and see what had happened. We took off down that trail. I continued to shoot. I'd follow him. I'd go back, shoot again, follow him. We got back to the snowmobiles. Uh, he took off and said, you know, I'm getting out of here. Took off, ran up the trail to the truck, left me there. I went in and tried to start up the snowmobile. That wouldn't start. You know, we left the uh, keys on and the, the key on the power and the lights on. It killed the whole battery and couldn't even get it started. So I crouched down behind the snowmobile and started firing off rounds in all different directions from left to right to left to right. And I went through a lot of clips. Like this was a 20 minute period of me just, you know, hoping that they wouldn't get closer. You know, I just keep firing at him and firing at him, firing at him. And they just kept screaming and screaming. And, you know, I could tell that they were starting to get closer because I had looked and the light would, as I turned my rifle, the light would, you know, appear on one of them. And it would just like, get a little bit closer, you know, shake some trees back up, get a little bit closer, shake some trees back up. God, I can't even imagine. You must have been terrified sitting there. And I mean, you're lucky to be alive. I'll be honest with you. You're lucky to be alive, man, sitting there. Your cousin's running up to get the truck and you're sitting there firing off rounds around the snowmobiles. Yeah, I'd, I had shot off at least like, you know, 10, 10 magazines. I think I had my vest on me, you know, I just pull out a magazine, reload, keep firing at them, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know, like if I kill one of these things, you know, it's, you know, they, they could all come at me. So I might as well, you know, make my shots count, but it'd been so dark and I'm shaking from the cold and I'm like, you know, almost like petrified. I feel like I'm going to die at this point. You know, I'm like, might as well go down fighting. I'm not thinking that he's going to come back. I'm thinking that he's just taking off back to the house and he's going to leave me here. And I'm just firing and firing and shooting out a burst shot for like three rounds. And then I'm, you know, I'm reloading and freaking out and grabbing more ammo out of my uh, snowmobile. And then all of a sudden he comes roaring down the trail. Like I've never seen my truck go that fast down a snow covered trail and not get stuck. And he's flying down this trail, honks the horn, still going up the trail. I run. You know, I'm laying half out of the truck, half in the truck with my head on his uh, right shoulder, you know, laying my head on there, still shooting as, you know, we're running. And I could just see glimpses of them, and they started running past the snowmobiles where we, we were at and uh, continued to try to chase us out. And after we got to the top of the trail and onto uh, that road that we took in, I still, like you know, shot like three or four clips still going, you know, and he's freaking out like, you know, we're out of there. We're out of there. Calm down, calm down. And I'm just sitting there firing and I got 
you know, powder burns all over my hands. My hands are all charred up and I'm just not thinking about what I'm doing. And I'm just like, you know, I'm, you know, they're going to follow us. They're going to follow us. You know, I'm not going, I'm not going to let them, you know, hurt the family. Let me ask you in the moment, and this might be a hard question to ask. Someone asked me this. I don't remember who did, but during your encounter in the moment, when you're sitting there, I realize you go into survival mode and you're doing what it takes to survive in that moment. But were you thinking this is Sasquatch at the time? Or were you thinking, what the hell is this thing? I'm I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, I've walked into some, like, you know, you, you ever seen the movie The Cabin in the Woods? Uh, I have not, no. No, it's, uh, you'll have to watch it, but it's like a, like, you know, like, the, like it's something government created, you know, that, like, got loose out of a lab. You know, I'm thinking, you know, these are monsters that, you know, got released out of a lab and they were just living out here and they're trying to kill me. I didn't I had no I, I had no thought of Bigfoot. I thought, you know, these are some type of monsters that got released out of a lab and, you know, they were just feeding on people that go out here because I had never seen this before. Even going out there, I had no, never experienced anything like this. And I'm just freaking out and, like, you know, I'm losing control of myself. And I, I checked my drawers when I got home and I... I'd wet my bridges. I was so scared. Yeah, and I think anyone in that same situation probably would have done the same thing. You know, you talk about movies, and and I think of like the Harry and the Hendersons, which seems a little bit offensive after a situation like you were in. You know, and I hear a lot of historical accounts, and the biggest mistake uh, I can say from reading a lot of historical accounts is the guys separate. And the moment the guys separate, one of them ends up paying the price. Do you feel like without that gun, they would have easily have taken you? Oh, they they definitely would have taken me. You know, once he would have taken off and I was at the snowmobiles trying to get those started up, he would have, you know, they they would have just closed in and they would have just gotten me right there. And once I, he came back, you know, they would have just got him too. They would have surrounded that truck, ripped him out and tore him to pieces let me ask you going back to before everything got out of control when you're sitting there and you're looking at this creature and you guys are both looking at it and it's showing its teeth and its hands are shaking and it looks like it's going to rip your head off right before everything in the forest went crazy did you guys fire off shots and that's right after that is when they started screaming and yelling and shaking brush or did they do that prior to you guys shooting shooting your guns um once we had seen it and uh i got that a little bit backwards once we had seen it you know i looked at it through my scope i saw it you know we switched he looked at it we switched again you know then the roaring started happening and then all of a sudden you know he starts firing off down towards the back of us you know seeing glimpses and pieces of them you know and then that you know once they started roaring and once he saw that he turned automatically right back behind me back to back in a prone position well not in a full prone but you know down on a knee and he just they started screaming and he just went into went into rambo mode and just started firing off like crazy so you're firing off rounds as you guys are driving off, and I'd imagine at some point you stop firing your your weapon. But what was the conversation like between you and your cousin as you guys are driving home? Uh, well, 
I took the gun, I threw it in the back seat, and I told, uh, I looked at him, and I was like, what the hell was that? Like, what what was that, you know? And he's like, well, you know, I, I don't know what it was. You know, I, I don't, I can't explain any of that, you know? And we sat there, and we kind of argued, you know, like, was was that our imagination, or did we really see what we just saw, you know? Did we just see monsters, you know, running through the forest trying to get at us? And, you know, we fought back and forth. He said that, you know, you know, there's that, you know, that there were squatches. And, you know, I, I, I told him that, you know, that there's no way that that could have been a Sasquatch. That's, you know, that's impossible until, you know, I really thought about it before we got to the house. And I'm like, you know what? Like we talked about it and he explained to me exactly what they look like. And I'm like, that's exactly what we saw that, I sat there and I thought to myself, I'm like, wow, I've doubted the existence of these things for so long in my life. And I'm actually seeing what I've doubted. Yeah. And I think that's okay. Like you and I were just talking about before we went on air, people get upset when other people say these things don't exist. It's impossible. I've been a hunter my whole life. And it's like, I was telling you, I kind of understand that mentality because at one point I had that mentality of, God, I've been everywhere in the woods. And it, it seeing really is believing when you run into these things. And what's interesting about your encounter, and I've said it a million times on the show before, sometimes they, they aren't, I think a lot of listeners think, I think these things are godless killing machines. And, and I really don't believe that. But in the same breath, I think they're unpredictable. I think they can be very dangerous. And they can turn on you in a dime. And I think they throw tantrums. Uh, they throw tantrums like, um, I hate to use the term autistic kid because my heart goes out to any parents that actually have autistic kids. But uh, that's the only thing I can liken it to, you know, like an autistic kid. Now take an autistic kid throwing a tantrum, make him eight feet tall and a thousand pounds. And that's kind of how a Sasquatch reacts. I mean, they kind of go into these weird tantrums where they're pissed and they're going to take it out on something or someone. Uh, I'm assuming you guys left the snowmobiles behind. Yeah, we left the snowmobiles. We, uh, we left the trailer there too, on top of the, uh, ridge. We actually took it off because, you know, I, I don't like, you know, leaving, you know, things connected to my truck. I just, I got this weird OCD about, you know, taking things off as I put them, you know, put something back on or I, I get to somewhere, you know, I take things off off of what it's connected to and we left the snowmobile there you know he he actually you know when we when he ran past he actually just ditched the snowmobile it was like you know what i'm just gonna bolt bound right up to the truck and i'm sitting there you know i'm just gonna take the snowmobile i'll pick him up halfway but you know just would not start we left him there did you guys ever go back for him oh uh, he did actually he went uh he went down there and uh Went to go pick him back up, took his uh, 350 Ford, which is a monster of a truck, took that and went down the trail with it and went back for him. And uh, they were just ripped to pieces. Like, it looked like uh, somebody just, you know, a bunch of kids just with superhuman strength just ripped apart, you know, a bunch of snowmobiles and threw them all over the place and gasoline all over the ground and his pieces thrown up in trees. You know, the handlebars were literally ripped off and thrown at least like 
10 feet, 11 feet up into a tree from what he was telling me. And it was just, it was craziness. It, I, I don't understand, you know, like why, you know, why they would do that. I understand, you know, they have temp- temperature or up. Oh, sorry. Hard to talk. Um, uh, tenture tantrum or, and it's just like, it was like, they just wanted to rip these things apart. Like, like it was unusable. Like you would have to get brand new parts. You'd have to rebuild these whole things. You know, there's no way you're getting these things out of there. You know, they just ripped the pieces, you know, the rails were just thrown everywhere. You know, battery was just ripped out wires hanging out all over. And it looked like, you know, he told me he looked at the uh, inside of the engine. It looked like something was chewing, chewing through the wiring. He had seen teeth marks all across the wiring to the gas lines. And motor was just torn straight out of it and thrown five feet. How does your cousin feel about what happened? What does he say? He tells me never to bring it up. You don't want to talk about it. You don't want to think about it. He wants nothing to do with it. He's done and over with the outdoors. He moved. Uh, he moved to the city. Yeah, and I can't really blame him a whole lot. You know, in these situations, you wonder what really set them off. Did you ever get the impression, as you guys were firing off shots, and and the impression I mean is, you know, sometimes when you fire off a shot, you can kind of tell if you hit something. Did you guys ever get the impression that you guys might have hit one of them? Um, I've got I've got the feeling we might have. You know, we we set up uh, targets, but you know, he he was sitting there and. He's sitting there, you know, shooting at one, shooting a twelve gauge one handed. You know, this guy's like a three hundred pound, like seven foot guy. You know, not seven foot. You know, like six, seven, six, eight guy. You know, shooting off a shotgun, not caring. You know, to even hit the target. I'm sitting there just, you know, doing precise shots, and you know, I, I've, I've thought about it, and I, I think he might have hit one. You know, I really do. Or you know, maybe I hit one. But either way, one of us, one of us might have hit hit one, and it might have pissed him off. As you were sitting there, and your cousin left to go get the truck, and you were popping off shots, trying to shoot one of them. Do you think you're, you might have hit one? Or I, I guess that's a hard question to ask. But did you get that feeling like you might have hit one? Um, I had when I was shooting, and I was going left to right, and then back, and then left to right, back, and then some way to my left shooting in all directions i had heard like a squeal after uh, i shot a burst fire shot i had seen one in the flashlight and it was maybe you know 50 yards away and i just held on to my gun my hand was shaking so bad and i just shot that burst fire and i heard that squeal i heard that squeal and then it disappeared away from uh or out of my uh, line of sight and the ones that were getting closer and closer you know i, I might have hit them too you know, I just, I'd seen glimpses and little glimpses of them and their faces and I just kept shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting. So I'm pretty sure I I had to have, you know, I could have hit, you know, one, two, three, you know, maybe in four of them. But there had been so much screams coming from all different directions that, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't even think about it. I'm just like, you know, let's, you know, I'm just going to hold them off as much as I can and, you know, try to block out that face. You know, I'd see that face and I would immediately, you know, just go for the chest because I didn't, I didn't want to look at that face, like that, the, the face and the anger and the teeth, you know, it just sends shivers down my spine every time I think about it. What was it about the face that terrified you? 
it's just it, it's like the deadness in it like it the eyes were just like a dark brown and you know the the face the teeth like it's flashing its teeth and like opening up the mouth and just screaming and you know beating beating you know trees breaking limbs you know and just yelling in the air and you know it looked like they they were peering into your soul yeah no and i get and i get that i completely understand how long ago did this encounter take place this happened last year it would have been nice to go back and look for uh blood especially in the snow it would have stuck out like a sore thumb it would have been nice to uh go back and actually see if if you might have actually hit one your cousin didn't happen to mention that did he no um after we left the snow started coming in again and it was snowing pretty heavy so uh he went back out and you know he looked at the snowmobiles and he said he looked all over you know the area that we were at he didn't see any blood he had seen um the casings and the the um clips that I had left, which were scattered, looked like they were scattered all over and a couple were missing that he had found uh, up on the slope that thing was standing on, which he looked and he looked for footprints. He couldn't find any footprints and didn't, didn't find any blood or anything. Yeah, it's a terrifying story. You know, it reminds me of, um, well, it reminds me of a lot of things, but a lot of different encounters that I've heard and and, you know, I had Bob Garrett on one time. I talked to him at depth. There was a torn-up camp they came across. And this torn-up camp looked like King Kong went through and ripped this place to shreds. And there's a lot more to the story, and I generally stay away from the story um, for other reasons. But uh, the I tell you that to tell you this. One of the things he had mentioned was it looked like someone was standing upright, a uh, human, with a gun in their hand firing at 365 degrees like they were in a defensive position and they were terrified of something and they were firing in all directions in like a big circle. They were just standing there uh, and people passed it off to, well, they were target shooting. And you and I both know that you don't target shoot and shoot 365 degrees around you. You, you set up your targets, you shoot at one general area if you're shooting 360 degrees, you're in a defensive position at that point, and you're shooting at something. God, I, I just wonder what would have happened if you guys would have gone up with your bows instead of your guns, and and what kind of a situation you might have you might have been in. Do you mind speaking about where this generally took place? You don't have to give away the exact location, but in Colorado, generally, where are we talking about? It was um, it was northeast, way up in the mountains. Um, I rather not give out the exact location. I don't want people snooping around. I don't want somebody losing their life. You know, I don't want someone to experience what I experienced because you know it's it's something you you don't want to happen to you. You know, you don't want you know to go through what I went through. You're right. It is one of those things you don't want to have someone else go through. You know, most people who have encounters, the first thing they'll say who have legitimate encounters is, I wish I would have never seen it. I wish it would have never happened. Uh, because it does change your uh, your perspective on what's out there in the woods. You know, it's no longer just bears and cougars and deers. Uh, there's something else out there running around. Has this changed your life at all since you've had this encounter? 
No, it, it's definitely changed my life. I uh, Sometimes I can't even sleep at night. You know, I can't even get the image out of my head, you know, and it, it always comes back to just me being alone there, not having anything but, you know, my bare hands and just being cornered by these things and just being ripped limb from limb. And, you know, some nights, you know, I'll wake up and I'll wake up my wife and I'll be like, did you hear that? Did you hear that? And she'll be like, what is it? And I'm like, there's something moving around the house. I'll get out and grab my rifle and shoot off 10, 15 rounds to left to right. And, you know, it's, it's almost like a post-traumatic stress. It, it, it's, it's ruined, it's, it's ruined everything for me. You know, I can't even go to work without people asking me, you know, why do you, why do you look like you're strung out? Why do you look like you haven't slept? And, you know, I'm just like, I'm, I, I can't explain it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't understand. Honestly, I think a lot of people go through that. I went through it like you and I talked about off the air. I went through that same thing, man. Nightmares. Um, for me, it was the growl. Like I lay in bed at night, close my eyes and I could just hear the growl. I could hear the same growl. And I've described it, which probably isn't a great description, but I've described it as a very demonic type growl. I mean, something I've never heard before. And I went through the same thing you did, you know, where you have nightmares of it's just you out there and this thing's pinned you in and you can't leave and you feel like the thing's going to get you. And uh, I think for a lot of people who haven't had encounters, maybe have a hard time understanding that. But I really understand exactly what you mean uh, when you say that. It's terrifying, man. You know, I try and warn people all the time. I try and tell people, you know, one of the main things people will say who haven't had encounters is they'll say, God, I'd love to see one. I'd love to be in a position to see one of these things. I really want to see one of these things. And then you talk to people who've actually seen them, and the first thing they say is, I wish I would have never seen it. I wish I would have never experienced it. That's exactly how I feel, you know, like my son, my son comes up to me, you know, sometimes and he's like, Hey dad, you know, I want to, I want to see one, you know, I want to make friends friends with them. You know, they, they, they want to be our friend. And I'm like, they don't want to be your friend. They want to make you lunch. Like you don't, you don't want to see these things. You don't want to experience it. You don't want anything to do with it. And he's, you know, he'll go to school and do projects about it and talk to his friends about it and be like, Oh, my dad did this and this. And, you know, I've had teachers call me, you know, why are you, why are you having your son telling kids all this and that? Why are you telling your son this and that you're scaring all the kids? And it just, it, it hurts. And I'm sorry, I'm about to, I'm about to cry. I, it just, it hurts. It hurts a lot, you know, and people just, they don't, they don't understand it. They, they really don't. They yeah, my heart goes out to you, man. I mean, and and that's it's, it's ruined my marriage. It's ruined, it's ruined my marriage. My wife is just, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't get it. You know, tears at night. You know, the screaming. It just, it never goes away. Well, the one thing I can tell you is, it does go. It gets easier with time. And the biggest thing, you know, I'll tell you one thing. When I very first started this doing this show. Uh, I had a very, me and my brother had a very, very aggressive encounter. And you and I talked about that the other day. Um, And it scared me. It really did. It terrified me. And then I got to looking around, talking to other people. 
there's this impression that people want to have that this is the Harry and the Hendersons, that these are, you know, magical fairies, or they put them in the same categories like unicorns, and um, and that's not reality. What's reality is these things are out there, and the reality, the fact of the matter is, these things are dangerous. These things are, you know, people listen to the show and they think I just pick out the scary encounters. They think I just pick out the terrifying encounters. And that's not really the case. 99.9% of all of the encounters are terrifying encounters, flat out, scary, terrifying encounters. And until you see them, until you witness them firsthand, it's hard to express to someone how you feel after you've seen something like this all of that stuff all of the stuff with your kid all the stuff with your wife you kind of have to take with a grain of salt they weren't there with you when you had the encounter and i know it hurts when you when you're trying to express the way you feel i know it hurts when you're trying to express the way you're feeling about what happened and they just don't get it and one of the things that you have to come to terms with, and it took me a long time to come to terms with this. A, most people won't believe you. Out of the people that do believe you, they don't get the amount of fear that took place. They don't get that it was a life or death type situation. Yeah, you know, I've had guys on the show that were in some pretty bad combat situations, like in Iraq, Vietnam. And they've told me flat out, hey, this that doesn't even hold water compared to the fear I felt when I ran into this thing. It was life or death. And you can tell from your encounter, you can tell from your emotions, man. You're popping off shots, you know, and you don't do that unless you are in fear of your life. What can I do to help you, man? What can I do to, uh, you know, name it and I'll make it happen. Just tell me what I can do to... Help your situation. I, I feel for you. My heart goes out to you because I've been there before. I just, uh, I don't want anybody else to go through it, man. It, it, it wasn't, it wasn't how it was supposed to be. You know, it was supposed to be a great weekend. It was supposed to be, you know, everything I wanted to do that weekend and everything went to shit. You know, these things had to, you know, they had to ruin it. You know, they had to come in and surround us. <sighs> I, it's it's been on my mind a lot, but I, the ammo clips they were on top of that slope that he found. Why did why did they take off with those? Are they are they going to be able to somehow smell me out? Are you saying they took the ammo clips? Yeah, they they took the ammo clips from the snowmobile up the slope and left them on top of the slope or on top of the hill. Yeah, I don't think these things are probably going to come for you. I really don't. I realize you kind of live in the general area where this happened, but they tend not to follow people. Generally speaking, I think that these things really want nothing to do with you. And when they come in like that, like they did with you, throwing rocks, shaking brush, vocalizing, that's kind of the cue to leave. They just want you to go away. They don't really want any interaction with you. They don't really want to engage with you. And again, I'm theorizing. I don't have one in my garage I'm studying. But I think that is the cue to leave. I think that's the cue to go away. 
that's their way of trying to intimidate you to leave. Because when you get a good look at these things, and I know you got a pretty good look at them, you know, they could rip your arms off and beat you with them, and there's really nothing you can do about it. You might get the first one, you might get the second one, but the third or fourth one's going to get you. I think if they really, truly wanted you, I think they would have gotten you. Generally speaking, when they come in like they did with you, and they're screaming and yelling, they're vocalizing, they're doing what's called a display. Just like you see with gorillas, just like you see with chimps. I think these things do the same thing. They kind of have to work their way up into an attack. They have to work up the courage to attack you. And they're doing all these things because they really don't want to attack you. They just want you to go away. You know, one thing that, that helped me, to be honest with you, and and this is going to sound like crazy talk uh, to you, David, but one of the things that honestly helped me kind of get over the fear, because I went through the same thing, man. I'd break down in tears, and I, I had wasn't sleeping. God, there was like months there for a long period of time where I only slept maybe an hour, hour and a half a night of good sleep and the rest of the time I was I was pretty much on high alert. Uh but I had this asshole brother of mine that wanted to constantly go back. He wanted to he was different from your cousin. He was the type of guy he wanted to go back. He wanted to see him again. He was he scared? Yeah, he was scared. Uh but he wanted to go back and so he would always force me to go back up with him to the area of our encounter. And the first couple times, I could have thrown up going up there. I was shaking. I really didn't want to be there. I, I would have drank, but I was afraid that I would drink and we'd run into one of these things. And then I wouldn't have my alertness, so I wouldn't drink. But we'd go up there, and I was scared as hell, man. I was completely scared as hell going up there. And it took about five or six times of us going back up there uh, before I started realizing the encounter that we had isn't something you run into every day, isn't something that happens every night. And talking about it actually helps. It actually helped me a lot to talk about it, uh, even though it hurts when people come out and say they don't believe you or they think you lied about it or they think, you know, whatever people want to believe. None of that you can control. You can only control how you feel about what happened. It, it's, it's during the night, man. When I get back to my house, in my cabin, it's, you know, every night, you know, I'll take that rifle, I'll put the light out, and I'll circle the house seven, eight, nine, or ten times, you know, and I'll, I'll keep circling around before I, you know, let anybody in the house sleep. Because I, I, I'm scared, you know, that they could be out there, you know, they could be waiting. You know, you, you never know, you know. It, <sighs> I'm, yeah, I'm I, sorry. I, no, no, you're good, man. You're good. I don't think... These things have the nutsack to do that, to be honest with you. Generally speaking, I'll tell you what I've learned. And I haven't really talked about this on the show, but I'll tell you what I've learned about these creatures through interviewing. For every interview you actually hear on the air, I've talked to probably 15 people. Uh, so that gives you an idea of, of how many people I've actually spoke to. But one of the things I learned really quick from guys that were in situations like you're in Guys that were in situations like you're in, except for instead of sitting around a snowmobile, they're sitting inside their house dealing with it. Generally speaking, these things want nothing to do with you. They will go after the young. 
They'll go after the old. They'll go after the if they're going to attack. They'll go after the weaker of the. It's that predator mentality. Uh, a predator doesn't want to, uh, even though, like in your situation, if you think about it, it was just you sitting at that snowmobile with your AR-15. Let's assume there was three. There was probably more, but let's just say there was three. They could have easily overpowered you and if, and harmed you. But why didn't they? The reason why they didn't is because one of them might have gotten you, but I guarantee you would have taken two of them to hell with you. You know what I mean? It's that type of mentality of, I don't think they really want to, I don't think they want to be in a position to where they might get hurt in the situation. That's why you don't hear of most hunters being attacked by cougars. What you hear of attacks by cougars are small children and women or very old people get attacked by cougars. Generally, a cougar won't attack someone like yourself or like me because it may not, it may lose in the end because we're a bigger target where a predator doesn't look at it. They want us, they want the easy meal. They want the easy prey to attack. They don't want to go attack a guy sitting there firing off an AR 15 because he might cause some damage in the, in the process. So I, honestly, I wouldn't, and I'm just kind of rambling now, but I, I really wouldn't be too worried about them. If you would have had problems with them coming up to your house, it would have happened a long time ago. I guarantee they are not around your home. They're not watching your home. They're not watching you. I know that probably doesn't bring you great solace, but um, at the end of the day, I think if they were going to follow you back and they were going to cause you harm, it would have happened a long time ago. Why um why did they bring those uh clips with them? Like why did you know, I I never unloaded I never, you know, left any clips on that slope. I was at the bottom of a hill surrounded by you know, surrounded by them. You know, why why did they put those on top of that slope where it was standing? Was that you know, was that supposed to be some sort of message? Is that you know, were they intrigued by what it was? No, I don't think that there's any message and I don't know that it was so much that they were intrigued by it. You know, I told you about the hunter that was attacked by one uh, a couple of days when you and I were talking. And one of the things that he said to me was, and I've heard this on more than one occasions, when they when he had pulled his gun out, it's almost like it recognized what that was. And there was kind of this, um, oh crap, look on its face as soon as it saw him pull that gun out. But, you know, these things take some of the weirdest things. You know, I, I had a police officer on one time that, um, is there a place in Colorado, and you'll have to correct me on this, David, that called Pikes Peak? Uh, I've been down there uh, quite a few times with my son. P- Pikes Peak, okay. He actually had an encounter up there. Uh, they had surrounded his camp. This guy's a police officer, current police officer. They had surrounded his camp. He was out with his two boys. And they were shaking brush all night long. They were throwing pine cones. They were throwing rocks at him. And he's sitting around the campfire, and he's telling his boys to go to sleep inside the tent. Well, he's sitting there terrified, but he doesn't want to play off like he's terrified to his kid. So he sits there with this forty-five in his hand around the campfire. And he's getting pelted with rocks. He's getting pelted with uh, pine cones. And they're growling at him. They're screaming at him. They're shaking the brush. And this went on almost all night. And right before sunrise, they left. And he watched them leave. He kind of watched the area where they went. And it was 
in the Pikes Peak area, he decided to hike up to this ridgeline. So he goes hiking up to this ridgeline, and he gets up to the top of this ridgeline. And what he found up there, he said he found, like, old pill bottles from, like, 20 years ago, uh, prescription pill bottles. He found a tent from, like, 30 years ago. And it just looked like something was grabbing stuff from, stealing stuff from campgrounds and just kind of piling up up on this ridgeline. He didn't, there was no rhyme or reason behind it. And, you know, I think in your situation, there were just, you know, some of the little ones will pick up stuff, they'll walk off with it, they'll drop it. I don't think there was any message to it, man. I really don't. And if I thought for one second that was a message to you, I'd say, get out of Dodge. That was a message to you. But again, you have to think this happened over a year ago. And if something were, if they would have followed you back, you know, if there was going to be some sort of retribution, it would have happened. Uh, these things are probably long gone out of the area, to be honest with you. They've probably moved on. I, I hope so. You know, I don't want anybody else to go through that. You know, I don't want, you know, someone, you know, to lose their child or to lose their husband or wife or anything to these things. You know, I, you know, it, it's something that you don't, you don't mess with, you know, you don't, you know, I, and I honestly, I think that maybe, you know, us shooting out there, might have disturbed them when they were hunting or maybe they were trying to get some rest. A lot of things could have happened, you know. They could have been coming in to check you guys out and I guess you guys were firing off guns. Maybe you hit one by mistake. Uh, these things are different from your normal wild animals. You know, a normal wild animal like a cougar or a bear, you fire off an AR-15, man. Everything within two miles is gone. Deer, all your prey, your predators, they're gone. These things are a little bit different. They'll they'll come in to check things out. I've had situations to where I think you and I talked about the other day, there was a poacher I knew up in Washington State, and he uh, was up towards the area to where my brother and I had our encounter, and he'd go up poaching at night. And I guess I don't – hate to say I don't really have a problem with his poaching – he would actually eat the deer, and he, he was more or less to eat it and feed it. He wasn't just killing to kill, but he'd do it in off-seasons and whatnot. And he said one night when he was up there, he had shot a deer, and he followed the blood trail, went to go get the deer, and he goes, man, I'm telling you, there was an eight-foot-tall ape that was had, a deer over, had my deer over its shoulder and was walking off with it. Um, he goes, I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, so I, I don't know how much that gunfire really terrifies these things. I I had been shooting in their direction. I literally like I would look at the face through with the scope and through the light, and I would autom- I would just go straight down to the chest, and I and then I'd go to the left and then the right and then the left and just keep hitting each one. But I I don't know how that didn't scare them off. You know, like maybe the bullets. You know, maybe the sight was off. And it was missing on Maybe I hit a few of them when I was hearing that screaming and squealing. But it's just like they kept coming. Like it was, it went from like three, and then it would be like I'd look back, and there'd be another one standing right behind the other one screaming, and they would just keep coming. It was just like nonstop. And I'm th- I'm thinking to myself like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna run out of ammo here pretty soon. Like and within the next ten minutes, I'm not gonna have anything left. And he's got like three clips in the truck. Well, you know, and the one thing I think to keep in mind, too, that might give you a little bit of um, 
might make you feel a little bit better. If they wanted you, they would have gotten you. I think that the gunfire probably scared them off, and you might have hit a couple of them, um, which probably just pissed them off more. I, I don't think you really have anything to worry about around your property, man. Like I said, if it was going to happen, it, it would have it would have happened. And the thing is, is a lot of people experience this. A lot of people, they want this to be Harry and the Hendersons. They want this to be... And most people who don't believe in this creature... They'll say, if this creature is real, I want it to be, you know, you go out and feed it apples and you pet it on the head. And that's the farthest from the truth. That's not really reality with these things. They don't really want. They don't want to be your friend. And that's that's it. They, they don't want to be your friend. They they want to keep man and themselves separate. They, they it, it seems like, you know, you just, I walked into a community, you know, I walked into a, you know, an area that was theirs you know like you know back in the day when you know the colonial you know guys would go into native american territory and they would just get ambushed because you know they're they're not supposed to be there and you know they're disturbing their land honestly man my heart goes out to you because i know generally speaking how you're feeling i mean i honestly went through the same thing i know what how you're feeling i know that it's hard to come back. It's kind of like I was just telling you before we went on air. After my encounter, man, I came home and my I was white as a ghost. Even my ex-wife at the time looked at me and goes, man, you are white as a ghost. What did you guys see? Um, were you guys out drinking? Were you guys out, you know, and, and I ex- had to explain to her, no, we weren't out drinking. And I was trying to express to her what I saw and I didn't do a great job expressing to her what I saw because... I didn't really know what we saw. I didn't really, I couldn't put it in a neat little box for anyone listening to our encounter to go, this is what we saw. This is what, there's so many emotions that come up in a situation like yours to where uh, it really is life or death, man, because in your situation, that coin could have flipped over really quick and you could have been a missing person. And it, and it makes you wonder about a lot of people that go out there missing, a lot of hunters that come up missing uh, that just seem to vanish. This sort of thing does tend to happen in these situations. It's I, I'm really glad that you came forward and decided to share it. I know it wasn't easy for you. I know it wasn't the easiest thing in the world to come forward and say, hey, I saw this, and this is how I'm feeling. It's After I started, after I started listening to your show, you know, I, I did a lot of research on it, you know, and I listen to a lot of the episodes and, you know, I'm like, I got to say something. I got to, you know, I got to get this off my chest because it's just, it's eating me away. Yeah, I'm not getting sleep at all. You know, I'm not being the person that I used to be. And honestly, it'll change you. It'll change you. It'll change you for the better. And eventually you'll be able to see that. Right now it's hard to see that. Uh, but it will change you for the better because, you know, <sighs> I, you know, you hear people talk about, and this is a little bit off topic, but you hear people talk about they saw a ghost or they saw aliens or they saw, um, and they're being very sincere about what they saw. And I, I would say prior to my encounter, I was kind of hard on those people. I was like, oh, come on, really? And now you kind of have a different outlook on, you know, Pandora's box has been opened for you in the sense that when someone says, hey, I saw this you might be more apt to go, I, I believe you. I, I think you probably did see that. But it opens your mind a little bit up 
And eventually you'll get back out there, David. You'll get back out in the forest. You'll be back out shooting again. You'll be back out target practicing. The difference is when you go out, you'll know, you know now what's out there. You know to be a little bit more careful in situations because there's more than just bear. There's more than just cougar. There's more than just, you know, uh, your normal wildlife out there. there. That these things are real. They are out there and people do run into them. Yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be, it's going to be a while, you know, I, I'm still scared of even, you know, stepping foot in a national park. You know, I, I won't even go out, you know, out with the sun anymore. You know, we used to go out, we used to go fishing and hiking and he'd make a, you know, he'd make little forts in the forest. And now he's, you know, like, dad, do you not want to spend time with me? Do you not want to go out and do these things? You know, I, I love you, dad. I want to spend time with you. And we want him to go out and do anything. I I told him, I'm like, you know, you, you ain't safe out there. You know, I don't want you out there with your friends. I don't want, you know, mom taking you out there. I don't want anybody taking you out there. You're not the set foot out of the property. You to stay home inside. One of the things I would tell you to that is I would take your son out. I'd take him out to the forest. Um, I would take him out, go camping, go out and as much as it's going to kill you inside, go camping, man. Take your kid, take your wife, retell the story, sit around the campfire, retell the story about what happened, and go out there and just try and enjoy it. Go armed. Don't get me wrong. I mean, go armed. But you don't have to go with your AR-15. You can go with your pistol. One thing I will tell you, and this is a general blanket statement, generally speaking, they won't just attack you. Uh, I have had a few encounters to where they will, but generally speaking, they won't. The throwing of the rocks you experienced, and again, I'm I'm theorizing on this, and I always say I don't have one in my garage I'm studying, but that is the cue to leave. That's the cue to go away. We don't want you here. Go away. And I think what ended up happening in the situation you're in, and I'm just speculating, and I'm by no means blaming you guys, but I think generally what happened is they were throwing rocks at you guys, and that was a cue to go. Probably the one you saw was the alpha male, was the alpha male of the group, and that was a cue to leave. He came out in the open so you guys could see him. That was a cue to go. When you started firing, that escalates the situation now. It's kind of like a game of chess. I think if the rock throwing would have happened, you guys would have seen the big one showing his teeth. I think if you guys would have walked away from that situation, probably nothing would have happened. They probably would have just let it go. The minute you start firing, that now escalates the situation. And I understand you guys firing. I would have done the same thing. That's the cue to go here. I'm firing normal under normal circumstances, normal wildlife. They run as soon as you fire off a gun. And so I get it. But with these things, it's a different ball game you're playing. And so you have to play by, you have to play their game. And so if you start firing off weapons in that situation, it's now a Mexican standoff and they're not going to run. So, I mean, I, I guess I'm I'm saying that to say this. Take your kid out, and if, you, if you're having a hard time with uh, taking your son or your, your wife out, 
take a buddy out and go out camping and just spend the night out there and try and overcome that fear of, of being out there. Cause if at the end of the day, man, if they're going to get you, they're going to get you. There's a, there's things in life you can control and there's things in life you can't control. And unfortunately in this situation, this is one of those things that you can't control. I would say just get up, try and get back out there, jump back in the water, go back out camping, take your wife, your son. It helps to talk about it. Uh, and there's no shame in breaking down, man. No shame at all in breaking down. Anyone that's been in that situation, I guarantee they would be breaking down. And anyone who says they, they don't is lying uh, because that would have scared the hell out of anyone. That would have scared the hell out of me. It's, man, it's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to really think about, you know, you know, if I wouldn't have, you know, shot, you know, if I, you know, when I had seen that thing through the scope, you know, I had thought it was a person and I'm like, you know, I had that split second thought of, you know, should I shoot this guy? You know, this, you know, when I thought it was a person, you know, I, I thought, you know, am I going to have to shoot this guy? Is this guy going to, you know, come at me? And then when I saw that face, I'm like, this ain't no person. Like this is, this is not a human being. And, you know, my, my son shoots a little 22 in the backyard sometimes. And he's like, Oh dad, you know, why don't you, why don't you shoot the big one? You know, why don't, why don't you shoot him? You know, you could take him down. And I'm like, son, if he was a man, I would not be able to live myself to take a human life. But when I got back to that snowmobile, it just, I went berserk and I was ready to take that thing's life, the human's life, anything that was going to come at me. And, you know, I, if it was a bunch of kids in a bunch of suits, you know, I would have gladly, you know, went to jail and been like, yep, they came at me, you know, they were harassing me. I had to defend myself. And it's, it's kind of, it's really messed up to say that it, it really is messed up to say that, but you know, nah, I don't think so. I think that, you know, anyone in that same situation, the, the difference though, in what you just said, instinctively, you know, it wasn't a person and you know, it wasn't kids in suits. Uh, because instinctively, what happened to you is you kicked into fight or flight. Either people run in those situations or they stand their ground and they're going to fight in those situations. And generally, honestly, if you run, it, it tends to go a lot worse because you have to get into a predator's mind at that point. And when you see something running away from you, all of a sudden that becomes prey. All of a sudden, that went from a potential predator to prey. And you went in, in, instead of running, you decided to stand up and fight. And I think that's probably what held them at bay because you were all of a sudden, you, you weren't an easy target now. You know, you're sitting around a snowmobile firing off an AR 15. All of a sudden, now you really aren't prey at that point. You're just as, uh, you're, you're one predator against several, but you're still a predator. So, I mean, I, I get it, man. I get how you feel. I get what you, how you're feeling right now. I really do. And it's, it's hard that he, you know, my, my cousin took off and left me there, you know, and I will not forgive him for that. And I will never trust him again out there anywhere out in the woods because that situation can happen like that again. I understand he came back for me, but he left me with those things. He left me out there and it was a 20 minute period where I didn't think he was going to come back. I really didn't think he was going to come back. I thought he was going to head straight back to the house and leave me to die. 
Well, and I would go easier on your cousin, man. Everyone goes into that switch of, I'll tell you from my, my own encounter, when me and my brother were out there, luckily we were in the same car, but his instinct was to gun it and drive past the saying and get the hell out of there. He went into uh, the flight mode, and we were armed to the teeth, and I think if they wanted us, they could have had us, but I guarantee we would have taken two or three of them with us. And so I went into a fight mode, just like you did. And everyone reacts different in those situations. So, I mean, I would go easy on your cousin, man. Uh, the, you know, y- you never know how someone's going to react until they're in that situation. And it's not really conscious, you know what I mean? It's not really a conscious decision of like, hey, I'm going to leave this guy behind and I'm out of here. Uh, it's more of a survival mechanism that kicks in how people react. And so, I, I mean, I would... Honestly, I would go easy on your cousin in that situation. And it's hard because, you know, when we headed back to the snowmobiles, I had his back. Like, I stopped as he ran, and I let out a couple bursts, and then I'd go back and follow him, and then I'd let out a couple bursts, and they just, like, they were tracking behind us, and it's like I I had his back. You know, I had his back because I knew, you know, I wanted to protect us both when he was running and I wanted to make sure that these things weren't going to run to the side and, you know, pick him off and then get, you know, get at me. You know, I wanted to make sure that he was all right. And we were both. Okay. You know, I, I sat there and well, I stood there and I'd, I'd stop and just start firing and he would just keep on running and keep on running. And it's like, I had his back, but when did he have my back in that situation? When was, you know, I understand that he went back to back with me when we stood, when we were standing out there and we went into crouch position. But you know, I it it didn't really seem like he was all for you know the team. It was seemed like he wanted to guard himself more than me, and you know, it it kind of kind of hurts. Well, and like I said, I don't think that that is as conscious of a decision as you think. Uh, that's not a I honestly don't believe that's a conscious decision like you think. Um, I'll give you a, I'll give you a perfect example. My girlfriend, who um, <laughs> is probably one of the smartest women I've ever met, when we're so I've told her a million times, do not run. If we get out there in these situations to where uh, something starts screaming at us or something starts throwing rocks at us, do not run. I don't care if Sasquatch comes out and starts charging us. Do not run. Uh, you stand your ground. Don't run. And, oh, I mean, more, more. I've told her so many times to where I'm sick of saying it. I'm sick of hearing myself say it. And we get in a, <laughs> there was one situation we got into, and something had thrown a rock and hit the this old farm building we were standing next to. Huge rock hit it. And it just echoed. As I'm turning to look at her to say don't run, she's already like a quarter of a mile in a full sprint running back to the camp area. And so do I Do I hold that against her? Do I say, well, that was a good, she's, I'm on my own? Uh, not really. I, I think what happens in those high intense situations is people go into fight or flight. And it's just a switch that goes on, and it's a survival mechanism that clicks on. Uh, I guarantee he ran back to the truck. 
probably was like feeling really bad about leaving you there, turned around and came back for you. And he probably wasn't even consciously thinking about running back up to the truck. So I know deep down it hurts, man, but I, I honestly would not hold that against him. It really is a switch in our psychology that goes on. Uh, People are wired different ways, and I've talked about it before on the show. You know, in high-intense situations, life or death matters. You would think I just came from church. I'm super calm, super cool, and then when the the, the threat's gone, all of a sudden I start freaking out. My hands start shaking. My knees start shaking. I can barely talk, and it's just how I'm wired, and some people aren't wired that way. So I I would go easy on him, man. I really would. I would go easy on him in that situation. Uh, Guys that have been in war talk about the same thing. Uh, Buddies they built relationships with. Guys they called their brothers. uh, They're getting shot at, you know, and and in bad situations. And those guys just take off running, leave them there. Uh, Some people are wired that way. So, I mean, I know I sound like a broken record, but I, I, I would go easy on him, man. I really would. You're right. I, I feel bad for holding against that grudge for so long. Holding that, you know, not wanting to be around him. You know, he'll, he'll call sometimes and I just won't answer or, you know, tell him I'm busy, you know, or, you know, just try to avoid him as much as possible. And uh, it's, I, I got to call him and talk to him about this. Yeah, and that's part of being human, man. That's a normal reaction that most people would have. The same reaction you had is the same reaction most people would have. But at the end of the day, like I said, in high-intense situations, it's a switch that goes on. That's why they call it fight or flight. There's two options. You run or you stand your ground and fight. And it has no, it's not personal with anyone. It's just how certain people are wired. You know, you were wired to stand your ground, and you were going to stand your ground and hold your ground and fire off shots and... I guarantee even if you were to ran out of ammo uh, and they would have came in on you, I guarantee you would have fought to the death, that you would have probably beat one of them to death with your your AR-15. That's how you're wired. It's not that you're trying to be a hero. It's not that you're trying to be courageous. You're just wired that way. In a bad situation, you're going to sit there and fight. Some people aren't wired that way. It doesn't mean that they're cowardly. Some people just aren't wired that way. And when they get in those high-intense situations... That switch gets flipped, and instead of standing their ground and wanting to fight, their immediate reaction is to run. Uh, one of the reasons why I wouldn't really hold it against him is I don't think it was probably a conscious decision of him running from the situation. But what what was a conscious decision is I got to go back for my cousin. I got to go back and get him. I got to get the hell out of here uh, and and pick him up, and we got to get out of here. And so, you know, at the end of the day, he did the right thing. He came back and and got you. Uh, so, I mean, I would go easy on him, man. It's not a situation everyone runs into, as you know. It's not an everyday situation most people run into. You know, I, I, I would just um, go easy on him, man. You can forgive your cousin for, for taking off, you know. If he would have just went home and left you there, that might have been a different story. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I I wouldn't be talking to you, that's for sure. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, this is one of those things, too, to where 
he's having he uh, I can tell you right now he's going through a harder time than you are because he refuses to talk about it. And I'm not a psychologist. I don't have any training in this, but I can tell you that's one of the worst things that you can do is not talk about it. You know, there was a lady, um, I posted it to the blog. I don't know if you saw it or not, David, but, um, she had seen these creature, uh, one of these creatures cross the road and she described it as having breasts and carrying uh, a smaller one. And I think she described it as being kind of chimp like, and she had seen it cross a road. So she goes home, doesn't tell a soul. Two days later, she calls 911 and reports the incident. Now, while I don't think that's a great use of 911, but my heart goes out to her because I, I can imagine she sat for two days and this just ate her up inside, tore her up to where she didn't really know who to call, who to talk to. So she calls 911 to report it. And so everyone deals with it in a certain, in different ways. My best advice to you would be if you have a handgun, a firearm, like a 45 or a 357 or um, something to that effect, take your family out camping, man. Go out there, enjoy the outdoors. Try to learn to love the outdoors again. Now, will you, can I promise you your head won't be on a swivel or you'll be on high alert the whole time? No. My encounter happened back in 2012, and I can tell you this. I took my son out camping, um, and I haven't told anyone this, so you're the first person I've told. I took my son out camping uh, about six months ago. We were in the general area of where my original encounter happened, and I was nervous as hell, man. I didn't sleep most of the night. I As soon as the sun went down, I actually took out my my 45. I fired off like four rounds in the air uh, just to let everything know in the area that uh, I, I don't even know why I was doing it. Maybe too much testosterone, but um, <laughs> I was out there, man, and, and I struggled with it. I barely slept that night, and the whole time my head was on a swivel. I mean, I was ready to – I was in kill mode the whole time. And, but it did help me. It helped me a lot because I went out a couple months after that, and I, I wasn't quite on edge the whole time I was out there. And as me and my son were sitting around the campfire, I was recounting the story of, of me and, and his uncle's encounter, what we saw, what we experienced. I think it helped me more than anything else just to kind of get back out and go back out at night and be out in the wilderness and try to learn to love again what you used to love before the encounter. I, you just have to get back out there, man. You have to get back on the saddle, get back out there, and realize there's things in life you can't control. Something You, you can only control what you can control. 99% of life you can't control. What's going to happen is what's going to happen, and you can't control it. But you can't. For me, it was I couldn't. I got tired of living in the fear of what might happen. And what might happen really is like winning the lottery. It's like getting struck by lightning. Your chances of that happening again are slim to none. Uh, your chances of being in the situation you and your cousin were in are slim to none. 
uh, you probably have a better chance of winning the lottery than being in that position again. So get back out there, man. Get back out. Try to learn to love the outdoors again uh, as best as you can, the best way you can deal with it. I'll try my best, man. And try. I really will. Keep your head up, man. Get back out there. Get back out in the forest. It does help. As much as you don't want to do it, it's kind of like the gym. As much as you don't want to go to the gym, uh, when you get in there, it it, it helps. And that's kind of the, the same theory as when you go back out in the forest. Get back out there. Get your feet wet. Get back out in the woods. And the first couple times, I, I, I won't lie to you and say that it will be easy because it probably won't be. But the more you get back out there, the more it will help you a lot. Trust me. Did, uh, do you have any more uh, questions for me about the incident? No, that's it, man. I, I appreciate your time, and I appreciate you sharing the encounter. I really do. Uh, I know it wasn't easy for you. And if you if you need me for anything or if you need me to do anything for you uh, or if you need – if you ever just want to talk off the air, give me a call, man. You got my cell phone number. Thank you, man. I, I really appreciate it. It's, it feels good to, you know, to get it off my chest and, you know, to have – people understand you know you know this this isn't something you know that you can disregard until you really experience it you know and you know to disrespect the forest or you know to disrespect you know mother nature you know she'll come back at you yeah you're absolutely right and and it would have shook anyone up it would have scared the hell out of me if that would have happened to me yesterday even after all the people i've talked to all the research i've done my own encounter it would have shook the hell out of me man it would have scared the hell out of me um so keep your head up and like i said man if you ever need anything if you just want to call and talk you got my cell phone number give me a call anytime brother thank you man i, I really appreciate it i really do I've, I've never had anybody you know really understand the situation you know and i have a similar encounter you know and understand you know that about these things and the way they are yeah and it's not only that like i said it's the psychology behind it too what it does to you afterwards and the ptsd afterwards and all the other you know i get it i get what you're going through i believe me i get it probably more than most thank you for being on thank you for having me on really appreciate it really do man
sky.